Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion, and I'm here with Peter, and we host the show. And this is episode 29. Can you believe it? I actually kind of can't. Isn't that neat, though? I mean, 29 episodes, it's not like 50 or 100 or anything, but it's well past 20. I remember being blown away by 10. 10 was a big deal. We called it the 10th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, there was the bite. Tenth anniversary, <laughs> and we're almost to the try tenth anniversary. I guess I, at some point I don't know what to call them anymore. Uh, it's episode twenty nine. Uh, yeah, we are there. Uh, we talk Bible on this show, and sometimes make a funny, but uh, but that's just because God has blessed us with an understanding of what it means to have a sense of humor because He first had a sense of humor. I think that. That's fair. I think that it's not Bible, but I think that's it's funny. Uh, the Bible's funny in spots. It, there is some. I've laughed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just making sure we're on the same page with that. Yeah. And we, now people are going to be like, "Well, where's the Bible funny, Peter and Orion?" I, you put me on the spot. I don't. Yeah, know. I can't. You know, you can't. It's like be funny now. Remember things now. I, I can't. I can't. It'll come to me later. Uh, what are we doing? Uh, Facebook.com/slash More Than Hearers. If you have the Facebook, if you have the email, which. Of course you do, because it's the 21st century. You can you can uh, send us lovely messages. Podcast at morethanhearers.com. Uh, we are on various social media uh, outlets. Peter's at under... Nope, there's an underscore, but I uh, blow it. It's at MTH underscore Peter. And I'm at Orion Plays Music. That's spelled Orion Plays Music. Uh, is that it? I think so. Okay. So, last time, if if anyone was taking notes, I didn't give the episode number. But this time I did, and it was 29. Shame. So, oh, uh, no, for got, those of you at, at home keeping score, that's uh, two times I've left out the episode number and Peter didn't catch it. So, we'll see you next week if I can get... <laughs> it's the 30th, third... Uh, it's got to be a tricky one third, to pull Third, 10th anniversary. <laughs> I don't think you can do it next time. Challenge. I will tell you this, Orion, though. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I forget the podcast. I'm not doing that. I'm not... We'll leave the verse alone. I'm not adding to the Bible. We'll get We'll get email. Uh, hateful email. But at t- twice you've forgotten the episode number. I know you forgot it. Last week, because you just told me. But when was the other time? It's forgettable. But I, okay. I don't remember. It was somewhere. Okay. Yeah. In reviewing the tapes, I went, oh, I forgot. Huh? Now i got to go back and listen to all the episodes again from the beginning. I will, probably will never do that. I, I, <laughs> the I, glory I, days when I recorded the More Than Hearers <laughs> podcast with yeah, Peter. Yeah. I, 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 I've listened to most of them. I'm probably... We're on 29? Yeah. I'm probably to... 20. I'm like Gene Hackman, like doesn't watch his own movies. I yeah. don't listen to my own podcast. It's so funny because, uh, it, as Orion knows, um, I preached the Sunday morning sermon a couple of weeks ago, and one of my kids was nice enough to grab me one of the uh, CD recordings. I was like, I really appreciate that. It'll be six months before I listen to it. Well, why? I, I, just, I just can't. I and can't. if you're like the it's average person, you'll hate the sound of yourself recorded anyway. I've heard the sound of my voice recorded enough that I'm used to it. Yeah, that's all we ever get is used to it. I didn't say I enjoyed it. Right. I'm just used to it. It's, it doesn't sound like me. I, I like to imagine like some epic legendary legendary singers like listening to their own recordings and going, Ugh, I can't. 
<laughs> I would love, you know, with modern technology, here's the thing, Ryan. Here's your get-rich scheme. You ready? I am ready. I would love somebody to create a software where you speak into it, and it alters your voice and plays it back how it sounds to you. Ooh. So you could go to other people and go, this is how I sound. I know you hear this, but this is how I hear me. Like, if we could do that, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, that would be really neat. And then to be able to compare and contrast, and people would be like, you sound ridiculous to you. Yes, they would understand. Yeah, but, but that's why how I sound to you sounds ridiculous to me, because it's not how I sound to me. Right. Yeah. Always um, sounds like a slightly wimpier version of what I thought I sounded like. To me, my recorded voice sounds dull. Almost monotone. Yeah, but you're not. Uh, but to me, it, because in my head it sounds way more animated. <laughs> I don't know. Which means if you guys already think I'm animated, I must sound ridiculous to myself. But I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. With all that being said, episode 29 takes us to Luke chapter 7. It's the Gospel of Luke. If you've got a traditional paper Bible, we're in the New Testament. Uh, back third of the Bible, basically. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you get to John, you've gone too far. Turn around and go back. If you're in a digital device of some sort, uh, just hit the drop-down menu and find Luke. Or just type Luke 7 into Google. That's what I did. That's, it works. I'm, I use an app. Uh, it's a Bible app. It's called Bible on my phone, I think, actually. Uh, I won't tell you who makes the app or what the real name is because, well, they're not paying us to. I'm just kidding. That's if you'd like your product sponsored by the More Than Hearers podcast. More Than Hearers podcast is brought to you by me and Orion right now, yeah, pretty much. So far. Uh, Luke chapter 7, as always, we're in the NIV. Uh, be in whatever version you like, but the NIV is the one we're reading from. Uh, and chapter 7 comes on the heels of chapter 6. There's been some teaching um, uh, about how we should l- love each other, how we should react to each other about fruit and these sorts of things, a lot of teaching of Jesus. And um, so Luke 7 opens with, when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This uh, account This story, if you will, is one of, I think, three or four. I can't remember now. Um, I actually just read this number the other day. I'm pretty sure it's four instances in the Gospel of Luke where we see Jesus do something for a Gentile. Oh, is is there that many? There's, I think, four. A non-Jew. 
There's the, okay, then because then you have Samaritan woman. Right, she would count as a non-Jew. I don't know. I, I don't know if Samaritans are because they're followers of God. I know G- Gentile seems like the wrong term, but if Gentile means non-Jew, are they Jewish? Oh, I actually like that. Sorry, it was too easy. <laughs> it was just way too easy. Um, <laughs> but you have this instance. You have the Samaritan woman at the well. You have, um, gosh, I can't remember the name. Table Scraps Dog Girl. Table Scraps yeah. Dog Girl. It's like yeah, one of the roughest ones. Of- <laughs> it's a it's a tough one, and we're gonna come. It's in Luke, so yeah, won't spoil it. Yeah, um, but this is another instance where the centurion who even seeks out Jesus, he's not even seeking out Jesus for himself, but still, being a Roman centurion, even though, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, it's in the text, it's it's implied, even though it doesn't go, oh yeah, he's a Gentile, there's not like a big Gentile light flashing above his head or anything. The story alludes enough to um, being able to discern that he was a Gentile. Uh, one of the primary... Uh, pieces of evidence in that is verse 4. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. It doesn't say because he's a part of our nation or he comes from our nation. It's because he loves Israel, but he's not of Israel. And so that's the biggest uh, clue that he's not he's a Gentile. I would say that the biggest clue is in 9 where he says, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Well, there's that one too. Okay, right. fine. But that one comes after. So this is the first clue. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. Take it. Whatever. Well, I'll either get you way. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this one's also, uh, so one, it's, and Luke does this a few times because remember that, you may not know this, so I don't want to tell you to remember. Know that, um, it's commonly believed that Luke wrote Luke and Acts either very close together or not even close together at all. But they are considered to be a two-part or two volumes in a series, basically, which is only – the series is only two volumes long. But uh, most Bible scholars refer to them as Luke-Acts. Really? Luke-Acts. Okay. Um, and so – because Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke later, it, it, he wrote it, he wasn't an eyewitness to Jesus. He had to learn this stuff from people. He talked to Mary, he talked to Peter and John and all these other guys to get this information and compile it into this work. It's later. It's probably written at a time when the church is already moving out into Gentile nations. He's traveling with Paul, and he's hitting the Corinths and the Ephesuses and the, these other places where the gospel's already going forward to Gentiles. And it's probably some of the motivation for why Luke grabbed these specific accounts. You know, as he was hanging out with Peter or, or John or whoever and going, hey, you know, we're we're doing a lot of work amongst the Gentiles now. Did you ever see Jesus do that stuff? And, oh, yeah, this one time we were oh, we were headed towards Capernaum. And uh, these people came running out like servants of a centurion or friends or something. I don't really remember, but they were like, hey, our, our, our boss sent us to talk to you because his favorite servant's like wicked sick. And um, man, the centurion, like, I know he's, he's not a Jew, but he loves Israel. He, he built the synagogue in Capernaum. And Jesus goes, that's faith unlike any. I've seen in all Israel. I left out part of the story, but that's ultimately what it comes to. And, and Jesus doesn't even go to the guy's house. It's just 
his faith in the power of God makes this guy well where he is. And you can see that getting related to Luke, and Luke goes, oh, it's got to go in the book. I'm, I'm writing my buddy Theophilus about all the, the great things that Jesus did and the truth of who Jesus is, and this has got to go in the book. And um, so one, one of the takeaways from this is we see ministry to the Gentiles even in Jesus. It's not like ministry to the Gentiles began in Acts. It's not like ministry to the Gentiles began midway through Acts. It, it actually goes back to the Old Testament. There, there are several Old Testament um, uh, areas where there was ministry done to the Gentiles. Uh, Elijah did had specific instances, and I'm trying to I'm talking funny because I'm trying to remember the specifics of them, and it's not coming to me, and I can't Google that fast. But but Elijah had several um, uh, instances where he brought the truth of God and, and ministered to Gentiles. And Jesus did it as well. Not just to Gentiles, but Samaritans, which were kind of like worse than Gentiles, but not quite Gentiles anyway. I don't know how that works. Yeah, we don't know. Anyway, that's so that's the, the other significance, of the primary significance of this. The other one is this idea of, we see Jesus do a lot of other healings in the Gospels. He spits in the dirt, makes some mud, puts on a guy's eyes, and the guy washes and he can see. We see him touch the leper and the leper's healed. We see the woman with the issue of blood who touches the hem of his garment and is healed. And all of those involve contact, whether it's physical or verbal, with Jesus. This one is different. Jesus never even meets the dude that we know of, the servant of the centurion. Right. But he just declares him well because of the faith of his master. It's just cool um, to know that, uh, especially here we are two thousand years later. Uh, we don't get to sit hand in hand with Jesus. We don't get to touch him physically. He's not in the room. We can talk to God obviously through prayer, but it's not the same as face to face conversation. Um, although it. It's as valuable, it's just different. And so sometimes I think we get discouraged and go, man, if only Jesus were actually here. And this story's in there, I think part of the other reason the story's in there is because he's with us at all, all the time, but he doesn't physically have to be here for his power to go forward. And that was evident even when he was physically on the earth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was making sure. All right, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up, and he touched the, it looks like beer. Yeah. But what it's B-I-E-R. It's not B-E-E-R. Right. Can you hit me with a quick Google while I keep reading the verse? Yeah. Because uh, I don't know what that is. They were carrying him on. It must be a thing they carry dead people on. And the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Did you get it uh, figured out? Yeah, it's a movable frame on which a coffin or a corpse is placed before burial or cremation. Okay. Yeah, so on which is carried to the grave. Yeah, basically... Uh, he's kind of like a platform to put a he's done yeah he's he gone yeah all the way yeah okay so um it's uh, i'm actually working on 
Um, oh man, spoiler alert. Uh, I'm working on a message on uh, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And uh, this story is similar. It's not the same story, but it's similar because we see the heart of Jesus for a grieving person, even though he knows good and well what he's about to do. That, uh, that phrase in verse 15, uh, you read this, yeah, while I was Yeah, the up. dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back and to Jesus his mother. Jesus gave him back to his mother. I mean, that's just a, such a neat yeah. thing. Like, you lost, we say, like, oh, I lost a loved one. Like, she lost her son. And Jesus gave. Jesus goes, no, back. no, here he is. Yeah. Found him. <laughs> like, I, I, verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up, touched the beard that they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. It's so weird. Like, I kind of want to wish I would have been there, right? Like, here's this funeral procession. You got the pallbearers, three, four, five on each side carrying this platform with this coffin on it with this dead dude. And this guy just walks up and touches the thing while you're happening down the road. Yeah, he Like, does. says to the guy's mom, hey, don't don't cry. And goes over and just, like, while they're walking along with it, just stops and touches the thing. And they're like... Doesn't touch the boy. No, just the the platform. But yeah. while dudes are carrying it down the road. Sure. Like, hey, man, we're, we're trying to get this thing's heavy. We're going somewhere. And it says they just, they come to a stop. And and he says, young man, I say to you, get up. And in the back of my head, like, I'd be like, not not cool, man. Like, Oh, right. Not not cool. But then <laughs> dude's like, all right. And he doesn't just like kind of rub his eyes and slowly get up. It says he sat up and he just starts talking. It's so, it's kind of like that story where uh, Jesus uh, heals Peter's mother-in-law. She's sick in bed, like really sick. And Jesus heals her and it says at once she got up and began to serve them. Yes. Like the healing that he does is so complete. Yes. There's no partiality. There's no like, yeah, well, she still had a runny nose for another week. Okay. So, oh, man, that is, I love how, I love what you just said. And I, I, I think I yesed it or... I gave I gave some affirmation. Yeah, we have the case though of uh, of Jacob wrestles with God and is injured and is injured right and doesn't it say that he walked with a limb for the rest of his the life rest of his days right yeah. yeah so I I mean I guess it didn't say he was healed no I guess that, I guess in that case he was just straight up injured yeah the the issue i had that in my head and then the other thing is that people talk about um uh i want to say there's a new testament case too i'm I'm, anyway the idea that uh oh paul it's paul so he thorn in his flesh the thorn in his flesh the infamous thorn in his flesh what is it and some people have like they totally figured this thing out they they, they would tell you they know what it is there's oh, somebody so easy there's somebody in their car right now going he was blind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the one that gets thrown out a lot right never and, mind that Axe says he was healed from blindness but go ahead and there's other ones too but but yeah so the blindness thing like uh if if we believe that god heals completely how can we then say, oh, yeah, Paul was struck blind, 
Uh, and then his thorn in the flesh was the uh, the remnant of that struck. No, what the yeah, like? No, no, no it's got to be something else. <laughs> I mean, it can it can be that, but but how can you be so sure? I mean, that would be the last thing I would think. Why would there be a verse that says uh, so and so Ananias? I think it was prayed for him, and he received his sight. Acts says. Uh, he received. I'm sorry, Paul. They uh, prayed for Paul, laid yeah. hands on him, and it says Paul oh. received his sight. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't say Paul got. 2200 <laughs> it says he received his sight like the old sight yeah he got it back yeah, yeah he got cataracts because that's the one i've heard is the bright light caused cataracts. oh yeah that that's what causes yeah. i if you believe this fine, fine. yeah so i'm not trying to poke no uh, direct fun but uh have a little bit of fun with it because it's it really does seem counterintuitive anyway, it does that's, that's all i was no and I, I, I'm with the Jesus heals completely uh, camp. Yeah, I'm, and I'm good with it. Okay. I, I see no reason to try and refute that. I actually agree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. But uh, I guess the the other point in this for me is just his heart, Jesus' heart for this woman. Uh, it's like when uh, the the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. He he tells him to take him to the tomb. They take him to the tomb, and uh, there's all these mourners there, and it says Jesus wept. He already told the disciples like 24 verses before that Lazarus had fallen asleep and he was going to wake him up. Yet when Jesus gets to the tomb and sees everybody mourning, he cries. This is why he didn't want her to cry. He's sensitive, I think. Yeah. He's so like, don't cry. You'll get me started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, always, I always cry at these things. No, I think it's that. I always cry at resurrections. Yeah. <laughs> But this this heart of Jesus for people in their pain, knowing good and well that he's going to take them to the other side. It's of so it. beautiful. It's it's like that. We we get to see that if you see it, because this these words have been on these pages for a lot of years, and and people like me who've read them before have not seen it. But so when you do see this, we have this beautiful picture of a God that cares so much for us that He weeps in our. Sadness. He like grieves with us, like even knowing thing. he's going to take us to the other side of sadness. Totally, he commands us to uh, to grieve with each other, to take that time to be sad with each other. He does it himself when he's a, he's above everything. He's, a, he's he should be above. I mean, we, he doesn't need to get down in that that mire, but he does because he loves. Yeah, because like dead Lazarus is already at Jesus' house. Sure, he's turning the Nintendo on. He's Present warming it up. Like yeah, he's like he's. <laughs> He's already in a good like Jesus gets to see him again whenever he wants. Sure. It's 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 different. Yes. There's a there's a thing there that I think I grasp, but the more I talk about it, I realize I don't totally grasp it. Not there's yet. a there's a dimension to God in his relationship with us that I don't know that we can totally understand. There's the depth, width, height, or some other thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that other thing. It's awesome. That I don't know. I don't know. Uh, verse 16, uh, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. I love this. God has come to help his people. It's the expression of Emmanuel. God with us. It's just cool. Verse 18, John's disciples, this is not... Peter, James, and John, John. This is Mr. The Baptist. 
John the Baptist, that John, John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, my favorite one right here, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Before we go any further, uh, we've talked about this, you and I, just in conversation. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but maybe we have. I don't think There's been 29 episodes. It's hard to keep them all straight. Um, This is one of my, I say that about a lot of passages in the Bible. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. John the Baptist, the guy who in his mother's womb leapt at the presence of Jesus in his mother's womb in the same room, heard the voice of the mother of Jesus through his mother's stomach and was like, oh, goody. The guy who baptized Jesus in the Jordan says, I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. Baptized him, saw the spirit of God descend like a dove onto Jesus, heard the voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He goes, are you the one? Or should we expect another? <laughs> if you've ever... Doubted. If you've ever struggled in your faith with any form of doubt whatsoever, even if it's little or it's big, and and you felt any sort of guilt about doubting, do you not? Did, did you not hear this verse? John's disciples told them about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, "Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else?" Of all the people alive in Israel, of all the people alive in the world at this point in time, if anybody knew who Jesus was, it was John the Baptist. And he goes, hey, Steve, uh, Tom, go, my cousin Jesus, he's, uh, he's over near Capernaum. Uh, he just healed this dead guy in name. Uh, go hunt him down. Just ask him for me. Tell him I want to know, uh, is he the one or are we expecting somebody else? And every time you say this, you keep reiterating the story. I just keep expecting uh, that Jesus is like, uh, hello. Is John a moron? McFly. Mom, you will not believe what John just said to me. Right. Can you, will you, that's it. No family reunions for John. He's not invited. Verse 20. When the men, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us, uh, sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, John began to speak to the, or Jesus, sorry, got ahead of myself. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. And he goes, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? People are like, no. He goes, well, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. What did you go out to see? Jesus goes, a prophet? He goes, yeah, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send you my messenger, or I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. It's Malachi 3.1 if you want to look it up. 
I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet one who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' word, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. It's like you said, Orion, every time uh, I read this question, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? You expect Jesus to get just at least frustrated, if not downright angry, like flip some tables or, you know, rip a cord into a whip and start chasing people out. But instead, he doesn't, he doesn't just go, uh, John's having a rough day. Yeah. No, among women, there is no one born... Oh, no, I got it backwards. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. It's If you've ever struggled with the doubt, if you've ever gone, are you really there, God? If you've ever... Any of those things in the back of your head, you're like, maybe this whole Jesus thing, maybe it's just... Maybe it is made up. Maybe it's a farce. Maybe I'm not in the right place. Maybe what I believe isn't totally true maybe this maybe that and then you feel guilty like god here's my thoughts i'm in big trouble now like wait god can hear our thoughts yeah probably oh, no. i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm in way more trouble than you don't worry <laughs> i tell you among those born of women there is no one greater than john and then he goes yet the one who is least in the kingdom of god is greater than he is what are your thoughts on that I've been doing a lot of studying on the kingdom of God. I actually just had to write a paper on uh, the kingdom parables about a week ago. This one of them? No. No. This isn't a parable. But this uh, concept of... Good answer. um, (laughs) This this concept of the kingdom. Jesus talks a lot. It's especially in Matthew, but here in Luke as well, about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, or I tell you, no one who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Uh, and and this idea of the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Or, you know, all of those things. Jesus just flipped all this stuff upside down because he just got done saying, did you go out to see someone in fancy clothes? And he goes, no, those who wear expensive clothes are up in palaces. But then he goes, the one who is least in this kingdom is greater than John, who I just said is greater than everybody. Well, he just, all he said about John was that no one was greater than him. But then he goes, but I tell you, he was least in the kingdom is greater than even John. Sure. But he might have meant that no one is better than John. No one's greater than John. But maybe that no one's lesser also. It's, I don't, I don't think that's, that's what it's saying. But the, I don't think it's not, not saying that. Yeah. Or not. Right. That's too many names. I, love, I don't know what I meant by that. It, it, it does seem to say, and I, I think it's safest to err in this case on the side, because we know that John the Baptist was uh, a great prophet of God. And interesting little thing about him. John, this used to get me. I, I get it now. But uh, John says, they go, are you Elijah? And he's like, no. That's ridiculous. And then Jesus goes, if you'll have it, if you'll accept it. He's he, kind of Elijah. He was Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? what? <laughs> okay. Elijah don't know he's Elijah. Uh, one of the other things that's in this passage is when Jesus gives them the response. 
Um, he says, go back and report to John. This is verse 22. Uh, Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then you scroll down, and the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. The poor, and a good majority of Israel at the time was the poor, were marginalized in this society. For a multitude of reasons. Uh, you know, you had the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those uh, different other factions and whatnot. And they almost were like a ruling class over the people. Rome had governmental control. But these religious elite kind of just wielded all of this as like a heavy stick over everybody else. We're better than you for all of these reasons. And so the poor were totally marginalized. They couldn't even really afford to go into the temple to sacrifice like they wanted to. We know from Jesus turning over the tables in the temple that, you know, um, what was going on at the time was uh, you're going to give to God. You want to buy a couple of doves or a lamb for a sacrifice. Don't bring Caesar's money into the temple. You're going to have to exchange it for temple money. And the exchange rate is unfavorable to you. Uh, they just they just took total advantage of the poor. And so there was a big piece of Jesus' ministry was revolutionary because instead of trying to court the elite and the powerful, he brought his message to everybody, particularly to the poor, which was the majority at the time. Uh, I read a statistic recently, and please don't go off of this because I'm not 100%, and I can't look it up right now for sure. But it was something like 75% of all Jews at the time lived in poverty. It was a, a large majority of the population was poor. And so this idea of if you were the least, you're greater than John was revolutionary stuff. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have you believe that unless you're super cool, it really don't matter much. Mm-hmm. So it was revolutionary stuff. Oh. And that's where that all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, this is verse 29, acknowledged that God's way was right because they'd been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had been not been baptized by John. In verse 31, Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and did not, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Super clear, right? (laughs) Sorry. Please tell me the best I can do with this. The idea he was getting at this phrase, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance and we sang a dirge and you didn't cry. Musical references. But two ends of the musical spectrum, right? Uh, Celebratory and grieving. Yeah, like, uh, like, I'm trying to think of like an upbeat dance song and I got nothing. Uptown Funk. Like, we played Uptown (laughs) Funk and you didn't get down. You didn't boogie. We played REM's Everybody Hurts. And you didn't stare longingly out the window with a tear rolling down your eye. You cannot be impacted. Whatever we're going to do isn't going to change you. He goes, because John the Baptist came 
like eating locusts, wearing just animal skins, living out in the desert, and you went, uh, he, something's wrong with him. Mm. Like, something's wrong. He goes, and so I came, and I'm, I go to parties. I turn water into wine. We're picking grain heads in the field and munching down. We're doing it all, and you're telling me I'm a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yeah, we can't win. Nothing is going to change you. Right. You cannot be changed, which is a rough thing for God to say about you. Yeah. No, you don't want that. No. I, I like the. I'd rather be uh, among those born of women, there is no one greater than. Okay, so go back to 35 where wisdom is proved right by all, by all her children. <laughs> I, there's another version of this that says wisdom is proved right by her deeds, I believe. I wish I had. They mean the same thing to me. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I checked the NASB really quick. Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Thanks. Well, except that I think in the context, uh, wisdom is proved right by all her children. I think he's he's talking about, uh, it's so weird that he uses children here because so many other places in scripture, if he had said that wisdom is proved right by her fruit, we'd be like, oh, we get that. that we understand the concept in, biblically of fruit wisdom is going to be shown by what it produces. Okay. And in this case, he's going, Our, my ministry, John's ministry, were proved right by what came out of them. Right. So if you're going to say children, you're thinking of uh, living... You're thinking offspring. of people. You're yeah. thinking of people as an offspring, right? Because yeah. fruit is like, you know... Inanimate. You, it's meant to be consumed banana. or whatever. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, yeah. So the people that come out of, became out of both of these men uh, and their ministries, right? Right. Like that's the proof, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the children. And that showed that these men both had wisdom. Right. I think that's what that's saying. I think, and that their ministry was true of value. Yeah. 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 Because he says, John came neither eating nor drinking wine, eating bread nor drinking wine. And you said he's got a demon. Uh, he says, I came eating and drinking. And you said, I'm a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He goes, but look what's come after us. Look at the change in people. You know, John came before Jesus preaching a ministry of repentance. No longer was strict adherence to the law enough to get you in. You've got to be different. The law was designed to make you different, to be set apart. Instead, you're so focused on the law, you've lost the idea. And part of the law was sacrifice for sins, right? Well, I can do all these things as long as I get a lamb in six months Mm. or whenever the Passover comes around or whenever. I'm okay. And John goes, no, 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 no. How about we live where we don't need to sacrifice? Let's live different. That was his whole idea. And, um, and then, you know, Jesus took it to the nth degree and goes, you can't live different. Living different isn't enough. Uh, you need a savior. It's, it's cool stuff. 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man is a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, 
Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon goes, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus goes, "Uh, you have judged correctly. He turned toward the woman and and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as great as her great love is shown. But whomever has been forgiven little loves little. I don't want to go forward because the story gets super cool from there, but I want to, I want to point out a couple of things. So this lady, she's of questionable character and, and you go, what's she, if she's such a sinner, what's she doing to the Pharisee's house? Yeah. Cultural time. Uh, people would invite, um, prominent people to their house to make themselves seem important and other people would come to see how important they were it was a social thing like the whole town would come like i got uh this guy of such and such a place uh having dinner at my house tonight you gotta come here you know he's gonna do this side of the other thing or whatever it was a cultural thing of the time and so the pharisee didn't necessarily invite jesus to his house because he thought the world of jesus he just knew it would draw a crowd He's trying to sell seats or whatever. I don't think they sold tickets, but it was it was to raise his social status to have somebody as prominent as Jesus in his house, and so everybody comes and they just kind of hang around. And the the members of the household or prominently invited guests are around the table together, but everybody else is just hanging out to see what happens or to hear whatever's being said. And so this lady's just hanging back and just crying in the presence of Jesus, which kind of blows my mind a little, but. Um, we don't know her whole story. And then she just takes it to the nth degree. She starts crying on his feet and wiping his feet off. And it was culturally appropriate in the day when you had guests in your home to first thing you did was you washed their feet. Or if you had means, you had a servant wash their feet anyway. And you gave them some perfume to smell better or oil on their head or just to clean up from being out on the road. Uh, Roads were not clean. Shoes uh, weren't really well protective, weren't protective of your feet at that time. There's a lot we could go into. There's a lot of uh, sheep on the road. Mm. Um, And so you ended up with sheep on your feet. It can't be that many sheep. It's an agrarian agrarian society. Yeah, something like that. Can't you just like walk somewhere else? You could, but... I mean, there's like not that many. There wasn't there, a right? sanitation department. I mean, it makes a good visual, but I don't, okay, think, yeah. I don't think it's like. But it's dusty and dirty anyway. It's at least that. I don't. I don't. I'm not a barefoot guy. Are you a barefoot guy? I can't. I, I can't. can't walk. If I walk on. Okay, we have like these cords, like right now that we've got the mic- mics are plugged into the computer to record yeah. this. If I step on one of these cords barefoot, and if it, if it's and anywhere on my foot except for the very middle of my arch where my foot is highest. Uh, I make sounds. I make unpleasant noises. We are kindred spirits, except that I have no arch. Oh, you're... None. You're in Zero. No, so uh, there's no, no safe place yeah. on my foot. I don't like to walk barefoot on grass. I don't want to walk barefoot on the beach. I just don't like it. I don't like to be barefoot. But these, they're, they weren't barefoot, but their feet were exposed yes. to dirt and dust. And if it's rain and mud, like you can't avoid it. 
And so it was common practice to do these things. And that's why Jesus names off this list. He goes, you didn't give me any water for my feet. Like, not only did you not have somebody wash my feet, you didn't give me water to wash my own feet. Because the Pharisee didn't care about Jesus being in his house. He cared about the crowd he was going to draw. He goes, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, which we know uh, from other books in the Bible was a common greeting, friendship greeting. Paul even says somewhere, I think, greet each other with a holy kiss. Yes. Uh, It was part of what was so tragic about Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Mm. Walked up to him and kissed him. It was a was a greeting. It was a common greeting of the day. He goes, but this woman from the time I entered hasn't stopped kissing my feet, which are gross. Uh, you didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. She go, he goes, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, not because she cleaned his feet, but because she understood the value of service to Jesus or of submitting to Jesus. As her great love is shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? Uh, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Uh, it harkens back to Romans three and a half, four. Uh, our righteousness is not from our works. Our righteousness comes by our faith in God. That's this whole thing here. It's her faith that brings her forgiveness. Um, it's not even her actions. Uh, Jesus goes, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, such a cool story. Uh, and the, the brief parable of, you know, he goes, look, it's really simple. Uh, two guys owe a guy money. One owes uh, 500 denarii. It's 500 days wages. So uh, it's what, a year and a half, Orion? Uh, yeah. A little more than a year and a half. Let's say the guy made 60 grand a year. So one guy owes a guy 90 grand. The other guy owes him 50 days worth. Uh, nine grand. Nine grand. Yeah, it's 10%. <laughs> 50, yeah, nine grand. So one guy owes uh, 90 grand, the other guy owes nine, and he forgives them both. Which one's happier? (laughs) The guy who got forgiven 90 grand, of course, and Jesus goes, this is the same way. This woman, yeah, she's a filthy sinner. The guy goes, if you knew who she was, if you knew who she was, and Jesus goes, I know who she is. She's been forgiven way more than you have, and that's why she's in tears right here, and you're just annoyed. Man. this is a struggle for me for someone who's uh, the longer I walk with God the longer um, I live this Christian life the more at risk I am of turning into this guy and being less like this woman and the challenge for us as believers is walking with God throughout our lives and staying like her not sinful like her but understanding our need for forgiveness and how amazing it is to be forgiven of everything.